Unburdened. Um, welcome to Unburdened. I'm Rashani. I'm Derek. He's Gerald, and I really work on that, uh, just transparency. Um, we've had a few people tell us, uh, both on, during the um, show and, and just inside conversations that the transparency that we've been showing on this show has helped them to be more transparent in their lives, which is um, definitely a, a good thing. Uh, I feel like that's what this show is about. At its root, uh, Unburdened is a show about uh, black men uh, dealing with mental health and toxic masculinity. Uh, we do delve into other topics and other conversations as need be. Um, but by and large, we just want to make sure that it is well known that this is a safe space. Uh, it is a safe space from racism, homophobia, uh, transphobia, uh, and we will not and misogyny. We will not uh, allow any of those conversations on this on on the show. And if they do rear their ugly heads, we will uh, take steps to uh, eradicate it as quickly as possible, uh, either through uh, giving wisdom or through simply saying, you know what, that's that's not cool, and taking care of it from that point. Can I um, add? That yes, not only is it a safe space, but it is intended also to be an example of the fact that men can have full on deep conversations about things without turning it into something where we either um, bring it to racism, homophobia, transphobia, or misogyny, basically blaming everybody else except the people who are in our demographic for why things are the way they are. Uh, we can... We actually can't. It can be done. You can see it and hear it here at Unburdened. And it, I hope that this becomes a model for other black men to communicate more honestly and, and take more responsibility for uh, the state of life. I, I agree wholeheartedly. Um, and I think that it's very important that we are able to take responsibility or some sort of uh, some sort of uh, action towards our own situations and be able to look at constructive ways to get through them. Um, I have found that through the past couple episodes or through the past all the episodes, um, I have come to find out that while I do have a lot of dad issues, I have a lot of daddy issues um, because of the relationship that I had with my father. I'm also finding out that that doesn't have to continue on through me. Um, and so while I am finding these things out and I'm burdening myself of them, I am also taking steps to ensure that they do not burden my children or my, 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 my spouse or uh, the people who I am friends with the people at my job. I don't really care, but the people I'm friends with, I don't, I don't want to layer them uh, with the, with the things that I thought were okay when I was growing up. Um, I was talking with somebody uh, yesterday and they were telling me about how they are 
They are and struggling with alcohol, struggling with weed, struggling with drugs. And um, it really made me think about, now it's not something that I'm, that I'm dealing with, but it made me think about how we do not mention really the scourge of addiction in our communities. Well, we mention it, but we don't mention it like, um, we'll mention like maybe drug addiction, like, like, like the, the more heavier stuff, crack and, 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 uh, cocaine, heroin, um, depending on where you're at and where you're at, Gerald, this may be prevalent too. meth. Um, I don't know about the Midwest. I really don't. I'm just guessing, but, um, we don't really mention too much alcoholism and the things that lead people to these places. And, and, and I can't really speak too far into these situations because I am not even a social drinker. Like I have a full bottle of vodka in my cabinet that somebody bought me or gin. It was gin. I think it's one of them. I don't know. It's in my cabinet and it's like one of those big ones with the handle. Hmm. It's unopened. It's untouched. Like it was like, thank you. Uh, it was a coach's gift, which is strange. It was a youth basketball coach's gift. They got me alcohol. Thank you. <laughs> um, I guess they thought that I was uh, dealing with the kids a lot differently than they thought I was, but uh, like I need to calm down. Um, but we don't, we don't really discuss that sort of stuff. And, 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 um, the gentleman was telling me that for him, he drank because when he didn't drink, he heard what people were saying about him or he could feel what people were saying about him. And it was a situation where the only way where he could make the thing stop, where he could stop hearing them or be able to interact with them in a way that felt comfortable to everybody because he felt like they were, aware that he knew what that what they were saying about him the only way that he could relax he said was through drinking and so it wasn't so much that he was addicted to alcohol because of the taste he was addicted to alcohol in a way to chase away uh, anxiety and 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 depression and just um low self-esteem and i never really thought about it like that like because again, it never affected my world, but it makes me wonder how many people, how many um, folks are trying to dampen the effects of mental illness through something else, whether it's drugs or, or alcohol or sex or video games or work. Um, how many of us just bury ourselves in what we're doing in order to escape what we don't want to deal with? Yeah, I think that we as a society, we way underrate um, how much people self-medicate mm -hmm. for the things that that we don't really... Um, acknowledge that need to be handled and work with. I mean, it, could you imagine if it was, uh, if it was normalized that, you know, as soon as you were, um, all right, let's call it self ambulatory, 
uh, socially, which is just a, a very fancy and probably improper way of saying you have a car and you can move yourself around, right? Uh, if it was normalized that as soon as you are able to navigate the world on your own, you have a counselor. And every person, regardless of whether it's because they are just a human living or they've experienced some type of trauma that we know of or not, just if you're able to move yourself around and you interact with society, you talk to a counselor once a week, period, everybody. I I believe there would be a lot less self-medication when it comes to whether it's alcohol or, or weed or any other type of drugs because, you know, a, a lot of us are introduced to those things in the party context, in the in the social context, and then it becomes a, oh, this is good for X, Y, or Z also, and then we use it for the thing that we need it for when we're outside of that social context. But if it's just a normal, natural thing in the society that you have a designated person that you talk to about the struggles that you're having, uh, whether they be with anxiety, whether they be with perfectionism, whether they be with dealing with trauma, whatever that is, if it just becomes a normal thing and everybody's talking to a counselor, how much less addiction would we have? I mean, it's obviously just a... Um, it would be a, a, a wild ass guess, uh, a wag, but I think that 50% lower wouldn't be crazy to think of um, because I think that's what a, a lot of addiction is, is, is self-medication. Now, you said uh, a, a really interesting, well, the whole thing was interesting, but one thing that you did reference was getting a counselor as soon as you're able to drive, which is generally the age of 16, 17, 18 in a lot of states. Um, I think that it's interesting that in so many other walks of life, we are advised to get a counselor. Uh, when you get into college, they give you an advisor, they give you a counselor that will contact you and ask you how you're doing with your classes or, or recommend class for you to take when you're um, at work. They advise you to get a mentor, somebody who's been through what you're going through and will be able to uh, help you with uh, furthering your career or whatever it may be. Um, when you're. That's really it. Like those are the two that speak out loudest to me as uh, places where they will offer counseling to you. But when it comes to mental health, um, they will shy away from it. And I think that it's because. Uh, folks don't really know how to approach it, even as they're seeing that they're dealing with it as well. Uh, so they don't want to uh, tell other people what they need to do in order to like, they don't want to tell people you should get counseling for this if they don't already have counseling or, or they don't have good counseling or they don't have all the answers. And, and it's not, in my opinion, it's not a thing where, one person will have all the answers. I don't even know anyone in my life who is who I've been able to go to for every single question I've ever had. There's nobody like we make that lie and, and put that pressure on people like, yeah, I can go to my mom or my dad and I can talk to them about anything and they'll provide me with the answers. No, they don't. They listen to you and they they 
they may offer one or two words, but by and large, they're not able to give you the answer. And my answer to my kids is pretty much Google it and we'll both learn together. Um, but I think that it is something that should be more normalized is that um, the introduction of a counselor. And I think it should be introduced at a very young age. Um because the younger that you are when you first get that counselor or that therapist or, or the person that you could talk with, the easier your conversations are when you get older and you're actually going, you, you need somebody to talk to as an adult. You have this fallback. You have this person that you know will listen to you and they know your history and they know what you're going through and everything like that. So I recommend, oh, sorry, go ahead. No, I was just going to say, so you you cut it off, though, and you said, well, you know, you get uh, student counselors and you get um, work mentors. Yeah, work mentors. Right. And those are the only two, but they're not actually they're everywhere. Um, does your basketball team just kind of come together and just say, all right, we're just going to go out there and we're going to figure it out. That is true. I didn't, <laughs> right? You know what? <laughs> you, you you've got coaches for every sport when you go into the gym. Yeah, you could go in the gym with your own little membership and you could just go and try to figure it out. But what? They have personal trainers for for every walk of life. There's an expert who has studied in that field who you can pay money to who can walk you through how to do it better. Mm -hmm. And that's really that's where we need to bring mental health counseling in society. We need to put it on par with all those other things, not just as a oh, no, no, no. You only go here when you're messed up. Because that, I believe, is that's where the disconnect is, is we treat mental health counseling and, and taking care of our mental health and getting someone to guide us through the process who has studied how all this psychological stuff works. We reserve that for after something has broken where we don't do that for anything else. I didn't even think about that. Like, I didn't think about any of those other aspects. And it's absolutely true. Um I, I I think that there's a lot of places where you want, like you see people reaching out for that help now and you don't even think about it. Like I said, I'm a basketball coach and you'll get kids who are coming up to you. I had a kid come up to me or, or text me uh, a couple years ago and they came out to me, mm-hmm. um, which um, that was like, first of all, I'm glad that they, uh, had the, 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 the bravery and comfort to do so. Um, and I, you know, I was like, that's, that's congrats. I mean, like, I didn't really know how to respond other than to say, that's wonderful. I'm glad that you, uh, I'm glad that you felt safe in telling me that I won't let anybody else know unless you ask me to, I asked him a couple questions. Um, but I wouldn't, I I didn't know if I was the person for that conversation. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm I'm a basketball coach and it's coming out of left field, but at the same time, it's like, if they establish that trust with you, they're going to ask you. So I hope I handled that correctly. I haven't spoken with them recently. Um, I might have to at some point. Um, but then there's other parents who are coming over to me and asking me, can you talk to my kids about, you know, they're having a hard time in school or they're, um, talking back at home or they're they're 
they don't have a father or they their their mom is sick or their their sister is always messing with them. Can you talk with them and get them on the right path? And I'm like, I don't really know if I'm the person who's supposed to be doing that. But at the same time, I've been doing it for so long. It's just like I slept at a Holiday Inn last night, a Holiday Inn Express last night. Let me <laughs> see what I can do with this. Yeah. And I don't know who I'm messing up with my information. Mm. Um, so I would definitely say that it should be normalized. And it should be for your, at the very least, if not for yourself, for your kids. I think it should be an imperative that you try and find them somebody that they could talk to who is not you parent adult because um i think that kids are traversing a world that is much more sinister than we can even imagine like we have things that we're scared of that our kids are going through but they're going through stuff that they're not even going to tell us about because they don't think about it when they get home it's like home is their safe space or they don't want to make you freak out when they tell you about it so if you can find them somebody to talk with about that, um, who may be able to traverse it better than you would, I think that that might be a good thing. I I I I agree, Alex. <laughs> so you talked earlier about perfectionism. Oh, did I say that word? You said that word, and I think that since Corbin is uh, taking himself to the doctor today to get checked out for his uh, his foot. Uh, prayers up to your ankle or to your foot, bro. South them scooters. Um, I think now's a good time to get into the mind of Gerald. Because what? what's going to happen right here is I'm just going to sit back and listen. Um, I'm going to ask you a question, and then I'm going to sit back and listen for a while. Uh, okay. Perfectionism. I, 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 I know that that's something that comes with being an only child because your parents are focused solely on you as far as achievements and whatnot. Is that how it started with you? No, uh, actually, it's it's nothing that my parents put on to me. My um, when I was a kid, um, I graduated from high school with like a two point seven GPA. Like I had my parents pretty much were just like, oh, well, I guess he's going to be a B and C student. That's just the way it's going to be. Um, even though I could have been a, a, a student, I just didn't want to. I had I did not have that drive. Um, but my perfectionism, even at that time, I was a perfectionist in things that I cared about and I don't care at all about things I don't care about. Um, but on the things that I do care about, it's like, there's a never things. I'm not good with them ending. I'm not good with closure because Mm -hmm. that means that I can't continue to improve it. And I do a lot of procrastinating on things because I'm like, well, there's more information out there. Did I is this good enough? Do I have enough information to create this thing? Um, Did I put all the information into it that I needed to be in there? Am I over teaching people? Am I over filling this with information? Do I need to pull some stuff out? Like it's just. It's not even a matter of just saying, well, I have to make this the biggest, best thing ever. But it's a matter of trying to make everything that I do hit all the perfect widgets and not be too much and not be too little. And everything is just like I spend a lot, a lot of time planning stuff before I ever start working. 
because I want to make sure that I'm I'm building the perfect thing. And then once I'm working, I'm fine. And then after I get done, I spend a lot more time going back and reworking and making sure that everything flows the way that I think it should perfectly so that my message gets across to people the right way. And it's a for me, that's a very stressful thing. Like creating stuff is really stressful for me because I have a set of standards that I put on myself that nobody else does that I think that nothing I create matches or meets that standard. And it is. It's stressful. So you recognize it, but do you feel like you thrive in it? No. No, I don't. Not at all. <laughs> um, no, it's definitely it's, it's a struggle. And the other thing is... Um, Mainly, that's only for me. Like, if I'm making something for somebody else, I don't have that problem. I can quickly and easily figure out exactly what's supposed to be in it and what it's supposed to look like and what the information is supposed to be. But that's because when I'm making something for somebody else, I have a process that I go through to pull from them exactly what it is that they want. Mm -hmm. And... What is out of scope and what's below the scope, I, I can f I have a process to get that information. So by the time I start working something for somebody else, like a client, I know exactly what's supposed to be in there. And then I can just go make it and then I give it to them. But when it's for me and I'm the person who's supposed to be creating the requirements, it's impossible because I don't I don't know. I don't have somebody else to go and ask the questions to. And when I ask myself the questions, I can't pin myself down like I could pin a client down. So it just becomes uh, just this never ending cycle of is this good enough? Is this good enough to charge money for? Is this good enough to charge as much money as I'm going to charge people for? Um, is it's I'm I'm constantly just it's a it's a cycle of of. Um, I don't know. Frustration, doubt, anxiety. Um, yeah, it's all there. It's my biggest. It's my biggest hangup. It's like the only hangup I have, really, because most everything else, I couldn't care less. I can. I can. In two seconds, I can do anything and hand it over, and it's done. And I don't care. It's whatever. Um, but when I'm doing stuff and I'm building it, and it's supposed to be coming from my own mind, from my own like company or something like that, it is so just overwhelming. So when you have these uh, projects for yourself you're, and, and, and you take a look at them, have you ever taken the incomplete in your, to, your, to you, the, incom the incomplete product to like your wife? And said, what do you think about this? And then let her words kind of like push you forward or 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 uh, help you through uh, your doubts. We bounce stuff off each other all the time. Um, so she is very much the art and I am the science. Um, 
I used to say I'm not creative at all. I'm very creative, but my creativity is within uh, structure and processes. Mm-hmm. And her creativity is very free flowing. Like, um, I'm kind of like the engineer, and she's kind of like the um, the designer. Mm-hmm. If that makes sense. Yeah. And so I I do bounce almost everything off of her, uh, and she her feedback helps me to weed out all the other crap and just go straight forward on whatever thing is right in front of me. Um, but I still end up, I always have my brain is always like, well, that's not good enough. Mm-hmm. That's um, it doesn't need that, or it needs more of this, or you didn't research this enough, or there's always, it's just always there. Have you noticed that people, uh, tend to exploit your perfectionism uh, to benefit themselves? Like, do they try and uh, get you to start projects for yourself? And then they're saying, can you make that same thing for me or something of that nature? Uh, I do get those. I get a lot of questions about the things that I do. Um I get a lot of people who reach out to me to just give them the information on how I solved a problem, how I did this or how I did that. This uh, doing these live videos and making graphics and stuff on live videos. That's one great example. Like when I first did that, I got maybe 15 different direct messages of people who just wanted me to tell them or walk with them through it so they could do it. And um, is that me or you? That's that's Nisha. Oh, OK. Um but yeah, like that, that happens a lot because I solve problems. I fi- I try to figure out solutions to problems and then I put them into practice. So I do a lot of times get people who are like, Hey, just give me the information about the thing you figured out. And I do it often. I, I, I still have a problem saying no, no. pay me for it. Mm-hmm. Right. And I don't want to say no, because I want them to have the information. But also, like, I should be able to say, you know, pay me a hundred dollars and I will teach you exactly how to do this in an hour. Right. I, I should be able to do that. But I have a hard time putting a price on it because for me. And that's the other problem I have is. For me, learning new things is very easy. I mean, really easy. And mastering those things is really easy. And then teaching someone else how to do those things, really easy. Those three things, I can learn something new, master it, and teach it probably within the first two times that I do it. Mm -hmm. And so because it's so easy to me, I think there's no value there. And it um, it wouldn't be fair for me to charge for that. But... I'm not taking into account that that's why I should charge for it because it's easy for me. And if somebody else didn't have me, it might take them weeks or months to figure out the exact same thing. And so I'm my knowledge or my ability is saving them time and energy. And that's worth money. I I still have a hard time saying no or saying, you know, PayPal me and I got you. Now, is that a... a I, you never you don't seem like in this group in this triumvirate that we have 
you would be voted less likely to suffer from a lack of confidence. So why do you not have, why are you not telling folks what you're worth? So I'm fairly certain that a lot of that has to do with my, with my upbringing. Um, I, I grew up, like you said before, I was the only child in a house with a mom and a dad. Now, the house I grew up in was just a little two-bedroom, one-bathroom house that was in the hood, like literally a block away from where one of those gangs and the gangs banging in Little Rock HBO special from the 90s, like one of those gangs was a block away from my house. So I didn't grow up like with a silver spoon in my mouth, but comparatively, I grew up with a silver spoon in my mouth. Um, because I was the only child, my parents put their money toward putting me in private school. And so I was in private school all the way until I begged them to let me go to public school in 10th grade. Um, so I talked differently than the folks that I went to church with. And I had access to information and things and experiences that a lot of other people didn't have access to. And then I grew up and I went and I joined the Marines and I traveled the world and I had this brain that could pretty much just pick up on anything. Um, I, I, I grew up feeling privileged, if that makes sense. I feel like there's a lot of things that I've, that I've worked for in my life. And then there's a lot of things that I could have been born somewhere else to somebody else and I never would have had them. And so because of the advantages that I was given that I parlayed into the advantages that I've created, I feel a sense of responsibility to give a lot when I'm asked. I don't know if that makes sense, but I just, it's not that I don't feel like I'm, I'm worth it. I feel like I have too many things that kind of just fall into my lap for me to turn around. And every time somebody needs something, I'm charging them for it too. Yeah. I feel that so strongly. Like I, I've had a, it's, it's, it's really hard for me to take credit for stuff. And, um, whether it's, it's large, like, like big things like, uh, the success of a program or, or something like that at work or, or the success of a basketball team. I, I have problems with taking credit and um, so when people will tell me, hey, good job, coach, you know, you're, you're doing great and all that. I'm like, ah, oh, it's my players. You know, it's my players. And, and, and it, when in honesty, yes, to an extent, it is my players, but it's also to an extent the things that I've taught my players. And I am still struggling to learn that balance. Uh, as you see, I, I have trouble with telling folks about the Patreon or the PayPal page or anything like that. And, and it's like everything that I learned, I just want to, that was a book that I read. Actually, it was a, it was a peanuts comic. <laughs> the things you learn when you're growing up. Um, Linus was sitting under a blanket, you know, he had that favorite blanket and, um, I want to say Snoopy came over 
And uh, first of all, Snoopy ripped the blanket out of his hand and took off running because that's when Snoopy was more of a dog than he was a human. <laughs> um, but then Linus ran him down and got his uh, got his blanket back. Well, then later on in the sequence, uh, Snoopy comes back over to try and steal the blanket again. And Linus tears his blanket in half and gives Snoopy half of his blanket. And says a quote that has lived with me for the rest of my life, which is, happiness should be shared. Mm. That's a horrible, 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 horrible thing to think in that situation. A person who came over and stole something from you, you had to chase them down and get it back. Now they come back to steal it from you again. And instead of fighting them off because it's yours, you tear what you have in half to give to them. You didn't say, I'll sell this to you. Uh, this is what this is worth to me, anything like that. You just give it to them. And knowing that in a reverse situation, they may or may not give it to you, but it's an unknown, but you're going to give it to them regardless because happiness should be shared. And that's always been my situation. That's always been my thing. Like I want to share what I've learned, what I have, what I've been fortunate enough to receive with others, no matter what. And so it's gotten to the point now that when I say this is what I'm worth. This is what this is worth. This is what this information is worth. What my help is worth. What my editing is worth. Whatever it may be. Folks are like, well, you didn't charge me that last time. Mm -hmm. You just gave it to me. So why aren't you giving it to me? Or you gave it to this person for free. Why don't you just give it to me too? And it's like, because I, 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 I've realized my worth. Well, no, I think it's because you're stuck up. And so... It's one of those things where finding your worth is equal parts exhilarating and terrifying for me because it's like my confidence is leveling up, but at the same time, when my confidence is leveling up to other people, so is my arrogance. You know, mm -hmm. that's what my mind is telling me. Like when you know your worth, you're, you're becoming arrogant. You're getting full of yourself and that's not what it actually is. And that's not what it actually should be. So I admire, first of all, I admire you uh, being able to say no, uh, finding those words, because that is extremely important in any uh, conversation to be able to say, you know what, I'm not I'm not going to do that. I'm not comfortable with this. No. Um, and also, I am uh, proud of you for being able to. Tell folks what your worth is, stick to that, and then continue to grow it. The first person who told me what my worth was was actually, strangely enough, my mom. Uh, because I am now working as a consultant, and the first client I got was my mom's business. So she was like, yo, you're doing good work. Why don't I pay you for it? And I was like, no, I'll do it for free. And she was like, no, why don't I pay you for it? Mm -hmm. this way when somebody else comes up to you and, and wants you to do the same work you can say you've had previous clients you can show receipts you can do all of this and I didn't even think about it like that I was just like I'm just happy to help out that's one thing that has always been in my head is that mindset of being a helper a servant uh, somebody who's a support system and the problem with being a support system is that when you want to step up and become an attacker you've never actually gotten that practice Mm -hmm. So I admire you for taking those steps to become an attacker and for seeing your worth 
and uh, for taking those steps to monetize your information uh, to benefit yourself and your your family. Yeah, I'm I'm still struggling with the um, with the day to day of it. Um, as far as when people ask questions, like I I've stopped building things specifically for the purpose of giving them away. Mm -hmm. Um, the podcast is always going to be a thing that I'm doing for free because I built it specifically for that, but I've stopped taking on the other projects on top of it. And, um, you know, the, it's, there's, there's little things that are coming every day. Like yesterday, I got an email from a woman that I coach and she told me, she gave me a rundown of the things that were going on the last few weeks, just great progress that she made. Um, she gave me a rundown of the things she wants to talk about next time we connect next week. And then she wrote like this super long detailed testimonial about the changes that I was able to help her make this year. And, um, and one of the things she said she wanted to talk about was, um, was my pricing and and payments for for continuing the coaching because we've run through the first um, the first payments or whatever and the only reason I could see for her doing that is basically like <laughs> you're not charging me enough money <laughs> which I've had people say that before is like you don't charge enough for these things but having somebody who I have been charging for my time coming back and being like hey so here's how much you've helped me and we need to have a conversation about how much money you're taking from me and then having you know my my wife we sat and we had a conversation about what i'm going to charge for this new thing that i'm building this dope business plan thing mm -hmm. and we we worked that whole thing out on the whiteboard and um other things uh, i got a friend who's in this coaching group that i'm in uh jessica and uh, she has yelled at me repeatedly about giving stuff away. She's like, next time somebody calls you for help with something, just tell them, okay, no problem. I'm going to get you over to my assistant. She's going to talk to you about pricing and take your payment. And then just, she said, just send them to me. Just, that's it. Open up a, a Facebook message, connect me with them, tell them I'm your assistant, and then I'm going to talk to them about pricing, and I will charge for you. Hmm. because you need to be charging people. And so it's becoming easier because the people around me are just like you said, your mom was like, charge your worth. And you're like, but I want to help. The people around me are, are similarly like, let me help you help yourself because you have more value than you're charging for. And if I don't help you, you're just going to keep giving it all away and we need to break this cycle. So, um, I definitely have uh, gone into my little season of no, which is great. I've spent I've had a lot more time to either do nothing or hang out with the family, which is awesome. Um, I've also been able to focus a lot better and I haven't felt resentful about how much time people are taking from me and not giving anything back, which happens a lot, too. Mm hmm. Um, but yeah, it's uh, it is it's a struggle for people who want to help and are driven to help. Um, I tell people all the time, like I do two things: I solve problems and I help people win. That's it. So if I'm not helping somebody win, I'm I'm failing at one of my two core reasons for existing on this earth. 
And it's almost like when I say I can help you win, pay me this money, it's almost like I'm putting up a barrier to accomplishing my mission. Yeah. When in reality, I need that money in order to facilitate my life so that I can continue being there to help people win. But that logic just doesn't compute. It don't quite curl over. It just mm, it don't really get all the way over on it's on it's my like brain. that it's like that um that um meme that they have of patrick where it's like this is a yes and this is b yes and this is c yes therefore this is d no this is four and it's like i just went through all the steps in my mind and they all make sense to me and i'm ready to just absorb them and go forward but I'm not really ready. Like, and I think that when, when I really, I'm really honest with myself, it's just me holding myself back. There's people out there who are more than willing to just like, you know what, Derek, if you put this out tomorrow and you were like, I'm putting out this new thing and here's what I'm charging. People will jump at it. There's people out there right now who, if I was like, I'm doing a consultant job, they jump at it. I know that. I think that I'm just scared of failing people. Hmm. Like if I give them a price, if I give them a cost, now I am beholden to be at my absolute best with them no matter what. Like it's not like with you, you said, you know, you can complete somebody else's job and just be done with it. And I'm like that to an extent right now too. Like I can type out a paper in like 20 minutes. Like it's nothing and then just drop it off and be like, all right, what's next? But if you're charging me for it, I'm like, if I don't do a good job on this, then they may not want to pay me again. And and here's my here's my worries and here's my thoughts. And so I just have to really learn how to get out of my head and get into the car, get out of my dreams and get into my car um, and just take that ride towards success because I'm standing on the side of my own car like, you know what, I can get in. I have the keys to this car, but I'm scared of where this road is going to take me. I'm comfortable where I am right now. I think that's what it is. I'm comfortable where I am right now, but I shouldn't be comfortable where I am right now because comfort is literally the first step to um, atrophy and then atrophy leads to death, in my opinion. Yeah. So I keep hearing the the word contentment is a good word to sub- substitute for comfort, because if you are content with what you have right now, then if you never get anything else, you will be fine. But that doesn't mean that you're not striving to create more. Right. But comfortable, I think, ties to. I don't want to do more or try to get more because I'm I'm in my little bubble. And so I think it's a matter of learning to be content but not comfortable. So if uh, if something fails cuz you know you talked about uh fear of failure and I know I experienced the same thing, right? Content that if if the next thing never makes another dollar, I'm fine with that, but I'm going to keep trying. Hmm. Um if if I never win another basketball game, that's fine, but I'm going to keep coaching, right? Because especially coaching with the ages that, that you're coaching, and I, I coached high school when I was out there, right? Um, you could lose every single game 
every single season you coach. But when you have kids who come to you because they know that they can trust you and come out to you, when they come to you because they need to tell you about this great grade that they got or the girl that they're interested in or this cool thing they did on their vacation, right? You're building relationships and you're you're developing people, right? Mm-hmm. So I'm content with never winning another game, but I'm still going to keep coaching because that's what that's what drives the world forward is having coaches there. Um, it's the same thing I think in your in your social media stuff. I mean, I look at at all of the posts that you constantly do and all the engagement you get, and I'm like, he doesn't even try to do this. This is just kind of naturally him. That's the way it comes off. Is I just get people engaged and we have conversations. When you're doing that, when when you're doing something and you're like, this isn't even like hard for me. It's just something I do. I just naturally want to engage with people. I naturally want to have conversations around important stuff that people care about. Then that's the thing that you should be charging the most for because <laughs> it ain't that easy for other people. I can tell you right now, that's the hardest thing in the world for me. Posting something online and getting people to engage with it is the hardest thing in the world for me because I personally don't care about most of the things other people care about. So I don't know what they're going to want to care about. And I don't really care about having a conversation around it with them. And I dread posting something and seeing a comment because now I got to talk about something I really didn't care about. Mm -hmm. It's just not me. But you're supposed to do it in order to get people, you know, to build your audience and do all this kind of stuff. There's stuff I'm good at. That is so easy for me. Uh, learning something new, mastering it, teaching somebody. I can do that anytime. Finding something to post on Facebook and then figuring out what words to say to go along with that article to get people to. Um, I'll spend 45 minutes just trying to find the right article and another two hours trying to get those two sentences right. Because it's just, it's not natural for me, right? But if it comes natural to you, you should be charging people for it. Because the the few minutes that it takes you to get them to have all this engagement on their page would have probably taken them days or weeks. For me, I can tell you, it would take me days or weeks to get the amount of engagement you get with just done. Look at that. People are talking. Engage with them. (laughs) That's that's valuable. That's worth a lot of money. But you don't see it because it, it just comes natural to you. You're a connector. You are you're an empath. You feel what people feel and you know what's going to connect with people's feelings and get them talking. I don't. I don't feel anything naturally. Well, I just I just go to my little world where all of my logic lives and anything that has to do with all that other stuff. I'm just like, I don't I don't care about I don't care about any of that. I don't want to have anything to do with it. And it's hard. You know what's interesting, though? Without, you say you distance yourself from people. You don't like the things that they care about may not engage, may not interest you. Things of that nature, and yet the things that you do care about, you are just so motivational about it. Like you'd be a perfect motivational speaker in that lane. Like you can, you can really go and talk with people about knowing their worth and, 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 and building their business and all that. So it's it's just about finding the thing that really 
and I'm, I'm just this is I'm saying this because it's really just sinking in as you're saying it to me. It's really just find that thing that that makes your world turn. And once you know what interests you, go be great at it. Yeah, and it's uh, here's the frustrating thing is what interests most people is what other people are doing. Mm-hmm. And so they want to have conversations around what other people are doing. What interests me is what's going on inside of those people. And I want to focus people on what's going on inside of them and how they can do instead of how we can have a conversation about how somebody else is doing. I don't care about the third party. What's inside of you? Where do you want to go? How do you want to get there? Let me help you do it. And that kind of stuff is not that's not social media fodder. Right. People people aren't engaging with that as much as let's have a conversation around what this celebrity person did. Right. It's it's just it's it's a hard thing to find a way to connect with people in that way for me. But anyway, you're 100 percent correct. As always. (laughs) As usually never. Um but, ladies and gentlemen, bottom line here is if you can find something that speaks to you and you can speak it to others, if you're able to walk people through past a life that you think you're tripping over, yet they see you as being the flashlight through the darkness for them. If you can inspire somebody to do what you do, then you should get paid for it. <laughs> and... Once you have the confidence and the awareness to know that you should get paid for it and the uh, and you're comfortable enough to actually go out and say this is what I'm worth. Once that first check comes in. Oh man, I don't even live that life yet. I need to call <laughs> my mom. That's how you get unburdened. That's how you get unburdened. <laughs> <laughs> Again, we are uh available on Facebook. Uh, at Black and Unburdened. We're available on Twitter at Unburdened Pod. Um, and Corbin, hopefully he's getting his ankle and foot casted up or wrapped up or something at this very point. Uh, he's available at um, South of the City. Um, his uh, YouTube page is South of the City. Um, and... You should really check it out. His mom just put out a book of poetry. Uh, it's really, really dope. It's available on Amazon. I'll post up the link to it on, on the Unburdened page. Um, but he, his latest video, his latest vlog is about uh, his mom doing a, a book reading and a book signing, uh, which I think is amazing uh, that that she put her mind to that and achieved it. It, it just It always encourages me when people see something they want to do and they go out and they get that taken care of. I think that's dope. Uh, Gerald is available on Twitter at uh, GWJonesII and also at By Black Podcast. Yep. Um, and his show is basically the same thing he's talking about now. He gets people on the show who tell you how to build your business, how to uh, be more responsible with your business, how to be about your business, basically. And while it should be a premium show, he does it for free because he loves the people and he loves the kids. True. 
And I'm also um, I'm right now in kind of pre-promotion for the dopebusinessplan.com. So I told you about that that I'm that I'm working on my new online course to help people take a really unstructured business idea and turn it into a structured foundation and frame for an actual scalable business. And so that's what I'm also building. And people can go to dopebusinessplan.com right now, and you can leave me your email, and I will keep you updated as I continue to build out this course. And then once I'm ready for it to go into pre-sale, the people who sign up and give me their email are going to have access to exclusive pre-sale discounts that won't be there once the course actually launches next year. So um, that's the other thing I'm really pushing right now because uh, the podcast is on autopilot and it will never go anywhere. But dopebusinessplan.com is that's where 2019 is. And that's going to be a huge thing that goes right to what we were talking about before of, you know, what do you have inside of you? What idea do you have that that you haven't been able to kind of get it structured and into a real thing? I'm going to help people turn those ideas in actual businesses because people need that. A lot of people have a hard time moving from idea to action. So that's the other thing I got going on right now. Well, I just signed up to stay notified. So, uh, yeah. Word. Um, and uh, the shows that I do are all free, uh, but they all uh, need somebody to help keep the hosting alive so we have a uh, patreon and we have a paypal the uh patreon for single simulcast the dream team uh sin and solace unburdened storytellers and 20 minutes as well as the kitchen sink uh and the crazy 88 (laughs) um is all available at uh patreon.com backslash single simulcast um for five dollars i mean you could Definitely uh, be a patron for $1, and we greatly appreciate that. Uh, but at $5, uh, there's bonus content and stuff, uh, writings and things of that nature. At $15, you get a T-shirt. Um, and then the PayPal is paypal.me backslash single simulcast. Uh, again, the only thing that that money is used for is to keep the shows on Libsyn um, and keep them out to y'all. Um the shows are available on Spotify. They're available on Stitcher. They're available on iTunes and 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 Apple, whatever Apple Podcasts and Google Play and all that kind of good stuff. <sighs> Thank y'all so much for your time. We greatly appreciate it. If you have any questions, please don't hesitate to send a voicemail nine one six five seven two nine zero one six or email us at blackandunburdened at gmail dot com. Uh, Again, for Gerald, I am Rashani. Uh, Y'all be good. We will talk to you later. Peace. You can follow the show at Unburdened Pod on Twitter. Voicemail is 916-572-9016. Email is blackinunburdened at gmail.com.